Welcome to Life Church Hurley's audio podcast. We hope this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll enjoy. I was just kind of contemplating God, I guess, and um, kind of how we deal with a lot. Like we go through the ebbs and flows a lot of, of life. And um, it just seems like it comes in waves, doesn't it? And in fact, one day I was talking to, I was at a funeral, and I was talking to the funeral director, and I said, man, you know, at our church, we just had a lot of people sick or, or die recently or whatever. And he goes, he goes, you know what's weird is you would think people get sick in seasons, like people get sick in the winter or whatever it is. He goes, there's actually seasons for people dying. He said, there's actually seasons of the year. Every single year, will people will die the most in those seasons throughout the year. And we can, we can pinpoint it. We can peg it. We know exactly what it is. And I was fascinated by that. And what he said is, a lot of times it's uh, around the holidays, like uh, Easter, Christmas, stuff like that. He says, people will hold on to the holidays or their family, see their family one last time, and they'll pass away. He's like, without fail, those are the busy seasons of the year. Or funeral homes, and I, I was just blown away. But you know, we go through that, don't we? Like where it feels like seasons, where it feels like you know, I've just been hit by everything all at once. I, I just can't get out of it. it. Feels like quicksand, you know, and uh, feels like every time we kind of get our head above water, we get hit again. You heard Amanda's testimony, and uh, yeah, man, if you could hear. That whole thing, that was like two weeks of, of craziness for Amanda. Um, we've just had a lot going on. And I don't know if you've ever realized this, that no matter what's going on in your personal life, um, that God is always consistent. And he's always steady. And when we're down on our, our lowest, I know this seems so basic. Josiah even talked about it a minute ago. But just think about it, that God is rock steady, that God is the same. Have you ever just felt comforted and knowing that God does not change? That when we are low, when we are high, like God is just going, nah, I love you. I love you so much. I'm here for you. I'm here to guide you. I want to be with you. And, you know, maybe in our mind, we we struggle with things, and we go through doubts, we go through fears, and then God is just saying, I'm right here for you. I'm right here with you. I still love you. And we go through exciting times. We're way up here, and, you know, we're just, we're in love with God and everything, and God is just steady. I'm right here with you. I love you. You know, don't, don't fear. Um, in youth ministry, we could always figure out uh, there was a big difference in, in teenagers. The ones who came in and they instantly grabbed a hold of the youth ministry. They were excited about it. Oh, I love being here. This is amazing. Woo! You know, they're on fire. They come in the first week, and they feel like they've been there for forever. We, we came up with a thing. We, we could kind of pinpoint them. The, the faster they came into the youth ministry, the, the hyped up they were to come in, the faster they would leave because they couldn't sustain that excitement of that newness, that meeting people. And it's the same way with adults too. But the ones who came in, who became a part of the culture, became a part of the youth ministry slowly, got to learn everyone's name, started coming to stuff and, and doing things and, and just became a part of who we were. We knew that if they took their time becoming assimilated, and Allison was one of our leaders, she can tell you, um, the longer they took, the more likely they were to stay for a long time. And I just look at that, and that's kind of how we are with God sometimes. Like, Whoa, we're so excited about God, and God is just steady. Okay, I love you too. Come on, stay with me, and to grow with me, and walk with me, and he's patient with us, and he loves us. And I don't want to draw this out, but I'm just amazed at God. And it has nothing to do with my sermon today. I just want to get that out, because he's amazing. He's amazing. And that's who he is. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in uh, the book of Acts, chapter 4 and 5 today. Um, <laughs> man, the, the curveballs that we've been thrown even this week with the church service, and thank you, Josiah, for doing that this morning, and uh, just everything that uh, he's done, it just reminds me how, how consistent he is, how amazing he is. Acts, chapter 4, verse 4. This is uh, the disciples, they're out preaching, they're, they're doing their thing, obviously it's Acts, so, so Jesus is 
uh, is gone from them now and only with them in spirit. And Acts chapter 4, verse 4, and they were out preaching. It says, now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captains of the temple, and, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed, for they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and, and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. When you start reading this, you realize that the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the chief priests, all of them, they are scared to death of the truth. And we know that. Because you gotta, you gotta remember, they just experienced what these people were experiencing. They, they just experienced Jesus. They just had him arrested and beaten and hung on the cross. And, and they know that Jesus has come out of the grave. And they know that 500 people have seen Jesus walk. They know these things. And so when they start hearing the name of Jesus again, they start getting frightened about what will happen if the truth spreads. A favorite word in this verse though is, However, because it shows that no matter what is going on, like I was just talking about, no matter what is going on, no matter what craziness we go through, no matter what difficulties we face, no matter how many times we're thrown into prison for the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's always a however. There's always a, I know you experience all this heartache, however, the gospel prevailed. And in fact, when we read stories like this, even even the feeding of the 5,000, we always like to have this Sunday school depiction in our head. There's, you know, like 30 or 40 people on a hillside and Jesus is doing something amazing. But what it says is 5,000 men came to know Jesus because of their preaching and because they were thrown in prison. That's pretty good. That That's, in fact, that's an amazing However, and so this morning, I just want you to remind Satan, uh, no matter what you've done to me or try to do through me, however, the gospel will prevail. No matter how sick our worship leader gets, no matter how many times the band is prepared or sang together or did anything together, however, worship will prevail. The gospel will prevail. The message of what Jesus is trying to get across, regardless of whatever medium it goes through, will prevail prevail. However, I love it. That's a great word. However, the other day, uh, Aniston, she's only five and she comes down in the morning and she's groggy. She's tired, even though she slept for 12 hours. And, um, you know, she's trying to get ready for school. But if you have young kids, you know, when they're real young, sometimes they get like caught up in their words And if they can't get the words out fast enough, they get frustrated. And then when they get frustrated, it shuts them down and you can't get anything out of them, right? So she was down trying to get dressed and she's getting frustrated because she's trying to say something and I don't understand what she's saying. And, and, you know, she's she's tired, she's groggy, she wants breakfast and, and, you know, she's going through all these things. And all I want to say to her is, just tell me (laughs) what you want. And like we can get it, we can get it all organized, and then we can move on with our day. But she's getting all caught up in it. She she can't say what she wants, right? Have you ever just been at that moment where you're frustrated, where you're like, just get it out, just tell me what you want, and we can do it. Last week during uh, prayer time, ministry time, what Josiah did today, last week, God just really brought to my mind the um, the woman with the issue of blood and how it says that in her heart, She said, if I go to Jesus and touch his garment, if I touch the hem of his garment, he will heal me, right? Remember that? What's amazing and what I brought up was that all these people are touching Jesus, but it had to be that no one had an expectation of what would happen when they touched Jesus except for one person. And one person in their heart made a request unto God. God, if I come to you and I touch you, God, I know that you are going to do this. And that's how we are supposed to be in our worship. That's how we're supposed to be in our prayer. That's how we're supposed to be in our, in our walk with Jesus. Jesus, I know that if I come to you with a request on my heart, then you will do this. There's an expectation. 
There's not just showing up. There's not going through the motions. They're not just, uh, you know, I hope Jesus does something. There's not, you know, God is good enough. He could do something. It's not just, well, I hope something happens when I show up to church today. It's going, no, I expect something to happen. And so hundreds of people touching Jesus, you know, all along the route, only one one person caught Jesus' attention, and it was a lady with an issue because she needed something from Jesus. What, what are you expecting this morning? What are, you, what, 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 are you, what are you here for? What are we here for? What, what are we doing? Why are we developing this campus? Why are we doing? What are we expecting from Jesus? Amen? I, I hope you have big expectations, and, and in fact, I hope your expectations are so big that in your prayer life, you can include this campus. Just say, God, here's what I expect you to do in this campus. It's not saying, I expect you to do this for me and you will do it. It's going, God, you're big enough that I can't expect that you're going to do great things. Amen? It comes from awe and respect for Jesus. In uh, Philippians, it says, to make your request known. unto God. What's amazing is if you're going to make a request and if you're going to go to God with it, then what you expect, have expectations with your request. Amen. So anyhow, Acts chapter 4 verse 18. This is good. This is back to uh, what's going on, this this picture of these amazing disciples. So anyhow, excuse me. Uh, Verse 18, it says, so they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, but for we cannot speak the things which we have seen, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That makes so much sense. Verse 21. So when they had Further threaten them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. They knew they were in trouble. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Now I want you to jump down to verse 29. It says, Now the Lord look on their threats. This is their prayer to God. This is their request. This is their expectation. It says, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. If we go back to the beginning of this verse, this is something that we are super uncomfortable with in the church. In fact, I've I've heard people say that they're uncomfortable with this, but not in like a direct way, because it says, Lord, grant. We don't like that, (laughs) because I've heard people go, well, Jesus is not a genie, and he doesn't live in a bottle, and he doesn't grant your wishes. Yet here we are with the disciples praying, Lord, grant our wishes. Can I ask you something? If God is not a genie, and if he doesn't live in a bottle, and if he lives in our hearts, and we know that, um, doesn't that mean he's actually bigger than a genie? Doesn't that mean he's actually bigger than living living in a bottle? Can you imagine, just for a moment, I know this is pretty elementary, can you imagine going out in the desert? You know, Texas. You're out in the desert, and you run upon a magic lamp, and you look at it, and you read on it, rub this lamp thrice times, and you rub that lamp, and Robin, a genie pops out, and the genie looks at you and goes, you can make a request of anything you want. How many of y'all would be bold in your request? Yeah, I know what I want, genie. And I think it's, first off, can you, can you imagine what would happen if your 20-year-old self 
got the genie. Can you imagine what you would be requesting at 20 years old compared to what you would request today? Amen, amen. Not that we have a genie at all. But what's funny is we, we would be crazy in our request. Our request would have no limits. We would ask for the, the craziest, most expensive things or whatever we wanted. We, we would be, uh, we would just think through it. We would be, you know, cautious and careful with it. We would, we would plot it out and, and we would think it out. And maybe our 20 year old self would, would, would want riches and, and you know, this, this beautiful woman or whatever it is, uh, fast cars or houses or, a thousand cattle on the hill, whatever it is, right? Like our 20-year-old self would have been crazy. We would have just, we would have been frivolous with it. But now, as you're very wise, wisdom hits in at 35. I'm just saying, that's when wisdom kicks in. That maybe today we would be more patient with our wishes. Would you agree with that? (laughs) That maybe the first one would be something good, and then we would delay the rest of them <laughs> until we figured out what we really wanted. But what's funny is that God is so much bigger and so much better than a genie in a bottle. And so how come we're so scared and embarrassed and, and, and we hold back when it comes to asking and requesting God for things in our life? In fact, there are people that will leave Hurley, Mississippi not Life Church, Hurley, Mississippi today, they will drive down to their genie on the coast and they will pull the genie lever and hope for their, all their wishes to come true. I got to tell you something. God is so much bigger than that lever. And God is due so much more respect than putting hope and prayers in a machine or a genie in a bottle or, or a lottery ticket or whatever it is. God is so much bigger. But if you hit it big, here's the offering bucket. Just saying. I'm not authorizing that, Brother Dig. I'm just just saying. When it came to Acts, verse 29, I want to look at that real fast again. It says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and and grant to your servants that with all, what? Boldness they may speak. Here's what's amazing is they're asking of God something, and they ask for courage. That was their big request. Their big request was courage. Doesn't it sound like something an older, wiser you would request coming out of a genie? I just want, I don't want riches. I don't want all this stuff. I just want courage. I want boldness. I want to be able to speak freely. And that's what they're asking for. I want to speak bold and with courage. So I did some deep research, some uh, really deep research for this message. Um, I googled what exactly Aladdin wished for in the cartoon Aladdin appropriately named. Here's what it is. I don't know if you remember. I don't. I was a little kid when I watched that movie, but here's what it is. First off, Aladdin tricked the genie into giving him his wish, his first wish for free. And so that one didn't count. In fact, they were in the cave. They were locked in there. He finds the genie. He he rubs the bottle, the lamp comes out. They sing a song together. And and then he goes, all right, you have three wishes. And and Aladdin goes, wishes? There's no way you're a real genie. You couldn't even get us out of this cave. And the genie's offended. He goes, okay, and gets him out of the cave. Even though he didn't wish that, he proved to him that he could. All right? So that's wish number one-ish. Then we get to the official wish number one. And uh, Aladdin is like us. A lot of us is younger. He goes, I want the girl. Make me into a prince. And so the whole journey of the movie is uh, the, the genie making Aladdin into a prince. And then number two is Aladdin starts to die. He's drowning in this, whatever, this water. And uh, Genie uh, looks at his face or whatever. He, he nods his head and he, he puts him back on the surface. So he saves his life. So he goes from uh, something he wants to something he needs. And then the third wish that Aladdin is granted is for Genie to have his freedom out of the bottle. So he goes from what 
he wants to what he needs to what someone else needs. <laughs> Y'all are like, mm, that's good, Pastor. That's not even in the scripture. <laughs> if you get saved because of Disney today, I'm changing everything I do. <laughs> Look at verse 31, ma'am. Uh, yeah, 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 they got it. They got it. <laughs> Next week. I was going to say Little Mermaid, not for personal experience. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Acts chapter 31, uh, 431, it says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with, what? They spoke with boldness. They were all filled, and they spoke with boldness. Now, if we take that scripture, we think that that is what they actually prayed for, and they, they did. They prayed for boldness so they could speak the word of God. But I want to kind of break down that whole little scripture right there, because they actually prayed for a lot more than just that. I know it says we pray for boldness and, and, and to, speak your, to speak your word, but I want you to look at everything that they prayed for. Verse 29, first off, they get away with a freebie. They don't even pray for this one. They're not even making a request. They're just kind of like mentioning this at the beginning of, of their prayers, like Aladdin with a genie. They're going, oh, by the way, uh, God, uh, before we get started, I don't really know how to pray for this, but uh, could you look at their threats? Could, just, could you just look at that? And then also we got some requests. Verse 29, can you look on their threats? They, they have this big show of force against us, and they ask for boldness in speaking. Verse 30, they, they ask for healing from God. And uh, Verse 30, they also ask for signs and wonders. Now, they said, God, can you look on their threats, and we want signs and wonders. And you know what God did? God said, I'm going to take all that, I'm going to bundle it together, and I'm going to give you exactly what you're looking for. I, I'm going to show them just how big I am. Check this out. It says, God shook the whole place. In other words, God is going, really? They got some threats going on? They're trying to show you how big they are, how bad they are, how powerful they are? I got this. And he shook the ground, and he shook the walls and, and he shook the people and their teeth, teeth were shattering and, and they were shaking the palm trees out, outside. And he goes, really? Are you going to threaten my people? I'll show you who I am. He goes, now look at their threats. Can you tell me something? How big do their threats look now? And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. They got courage. I said, you want courage? You want me to look upon their threats? <laughs> now what? And it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with courage. They were filled with boldness. And they looked around and go, oh, yeah, God, you're right. You were so much bigger than any threat that could come my way. And they walked outside and they preached the gospel. Isn't that amazing? God going, if you'll make your request, I'll show you. I'll show you. Um, I love this because uh, the disciples, were they, they were careful. They were careful because on one hand, they were, they were praying for boldness to preach the gospel, which means they wanted everyone to get saved, right? But on the other hand, they had these threats going on, and so they didn't want to say, God, can you kill them? Because that would be too harsh, uh, because they're praying for salvation. Uh, you know, a little conundrum there, a little dichotomy going on. Uh, and so they just said, God, we don't know what to pray about that. Could you just look at it? <laughs> they don't know what to pray. That's literally what's going on. They don't have the words to pray over their situation. They don't, God, can you look at that? And oh, by the way, can you give us boldness to preach your gospel? They, they saw, again, the dichotomy there, that there was an issue that, that we need the threat to go away. We need it to soften. 
but we don't want them to die necessarily because we need to preach the gospel to them. And, and, and so they were having a struggle in, in their hearts and in their spirit. Have you ever been there where you have no idea what to pray for a situation going on in your life? Like you want to pray good, but it's also hard. And so you want to pray against it, but you just don't know what to do as a believer because in your heart, you want the gospel to spread. But at the same time, you don't want the people hindering the gospel to stick around. We've all been at that crazy push and pull in life. And I love this because the disciples say, we don't know what to pray. And God goes, but I do. But I do. Make a request. What do you want me to do? God, can you just look at that? Yeah. I got it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Make your request known unto God. What do you want? That was what the woman with the issue of blood again. What, what is it that you want? All these people pushing in, touching Jesus, and, and no one making a request. No one saying, Jesus, this is what I want. This is why I traveled. This, this is why I came here. Only one person going, I need Jesus. And so this morning, what do you want? What is it that you want? Look at verse X 433. Because I think it's important to pray for what you want and also to pray for what you don't. Did you hear me this morning? Like, we're really good at praying sometimes for what we want, but maybe we leave out the details. Maybe we leave out the heartache. Maybe we leave out the pain. And Jesus is just saying this morning, pray for what you want and then also pray for what you don't want. Pray against it, pray, pray for it, whatever it is, but make sure to include that in your prayer also. Look at verse 33, it says, And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I love it. It says, if we can just hang that verse up there just for a moment, and it says that the apostles gave And with great power, the apostles gave witness. Can I just tell you this? And and you probably know this already, but you can't give what you don't have. I I don't think it's any coincidence that they prayed for power and boldness to speak the name of Jesus. And then what they prayed for, they were able to give. It says they gave in power and they gave witness. They gave them what they prayed for. Isn't that amazing? You cannot give what you don't have. And since we are not robots and since we are not controlled by God and he doesn't tell us what we will do, we don't even have to worship God. We just come in here and worship freely, uh, you know, because we don't have to. You know, we get to ask God for stuff and then he gets to tell us if we can have it or not. But God says, if I give it to you, I gave it to you because you're going to give. God, I, I don't have the words to say. What am I going to possibly give them? You remember Moses did that. God, what am I going to give them? I don't have the words. God goes, uh, is that a request? Because I'll give you the words. I'll give you what you need. You cannot give what you don't have. This is a crazy question. You ready for it? This is, this is the whole sermon. What do you want? That's the question. And I know that sounds basic, but I want you to ponder that for a moment. What do you want? Just like if the genie was to pop out of the bottle, you would think through it. With God, it should be no different. What is it you want? Because whatever it is that you want, you're going to pray for, right? But whatever it is that you want and you pray for and God gives you, that is what you're going to have to give away. Now, what is it that you want? Don't we realize that that question becomes huge now and becomes thought-provoking? It could even be life-changing the way we answer that question. What is it we want? Because we're going to ask God for that. What is it? 
What is it? Do you want health? Do you want peace? Do you want comfort? What is it? What is it that God is going to grant to you through the power of his Holy Spirit, through way of his will? What is it going to what is it going to be that he gives you that you give away? I think about that verse, and if they would have asked for anything else, that's what they would have been giving away at this moment. So people would have needed to hear the gospel, but they would have had peace or whatever it was. God, give us peace. And, and they're out there trying to hand out peace, but they didn't ask for peace. They asked for power in presenting the gospel. You can only give what you have. So it's Christmas season. Amen, amen. It's, uh, it's also Weston's birthday, my son's birthday. He's turning nine tomorrow. Yeah, I can't wait to see what he gets me. So anyhow, um, it's going to be a good day. Uh, it's, it's Christmas season, so, you know, we're, we're all avoiding the stores. Uh, and if you're not, you're the problem. So anyhow, I'm, kid- I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, don't throw stones. So um, we're all avoiding the stores, though, right? Like Walmart mainly especially, you know, there's certain Walmarts you just avoid year round. And, and then especially during Christmas season, right? Like some Walmarts just have special people at it, right? Like you, you just can't avoid that. It's like the flea market. So anyhow, um, you, you know, you're avoiding, uh, you're avoiding certain stores, you, the, the Walmarts, the Dollar General, the Dollar Tree, uh, and then like the Fashion Expo of Hurley, uh, Dixie Depot, you know, you're, you're avoiding, all, all these places because of the people, right? So we had to go in Walmart the other day for, for Weston. His great-grandmother sent him 25 bucks. That's right. That's right, people. You heard right. 25 bones. I mean, she went all out. So uh, his birthday is not till Monday. His, his birthday party is next weekend. And, uh, you know, we're playing this Nerf War party and all this good stuff for him. And and, but he got, the, he got the check for $25. And so you know a nine-year-old... We're going today, right? We're going today. After school, we're going, we're going to Walmart, right, Dad? I'm like, I don't know, son. You know, it could be like a blizzard or an avalanche or anything. I can't promise you. If we get to go, we get to go. That's fine. Whatever. He goes, now we're going to get to go today, right? And I'm, I'm telling you, I could see him. I went to go walk to pick him up from school. He's standing outside with all the classes. And I could see in his eyes. He's just, he's just texting me. We're going to go, right? <laughs> he ran and embraced me. We're going to go, right? I was like, if you ask one more time, we're going to go. So he asked me again. So uh, we, uh, I took him to Walmart after school, and, man, it was crazy. It was, it was crazy, crazier Walmart than normal, uh, which is crazy. And uh, we're in there, you know, we're trying to, like, look at toys, and other people are trying to look at toys. I don't know what the problem is, but, you know, the aisles are, like, packed with people and, and, and everything like that. And what's weird is Weston has money. He has $25 to spend on a toy, but I got my daughter with us, and, you know, he has money to get a toy. She does not, but somehow she still gets a toy. I don't understand how that works even to this day, but so, so she's picking out a toy, he's picking out a toy, and, and you know, I'm not even asking him to spend his money on the toy. I got to spend my money. And, and here we are, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy, you know, and he finally picks the toy. I, I kept telling him, if you save your money and you wait till your birthday party, like in a few days, you can take more money and buy something you really want instead of something cheap that you don't really want. <gasps> no, no, he was not having any of that. So he buys what he wants. We go to the register. We check out. Finally, we get out the door. It is fresh air. You can breathe, the sun's coming out, the birds are singing, or the horns are honking, something's going on. And uh, my daughter goes, Dad, um, why's he ringing that bell? And I don't know about if you've ever done this, but we paid with a check. I mean, we put the check in the bank, pay with a card at the register. I don't have any money. The kids don't got any money, especially Aniston. And uh, uh, that's when you grab your kids. You don't even look at the traffic. You just dart across the traffic. <laughs> Uh, don't know, honey, you know, it's her new hobby. She loves bell ringing. I don't know. La 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 la, you know, come on. <laughs> it's funny. Is, uh, have you ever been like, and they stare at you like, you ain't gonna give. <laughs> I will beat you with this bell. Have you ever locked eyes with those people? You're like, I, 
you feel like less of a person. So anyhow, she looks over, makes eye contact and everything with this woman. She's jingling her belt. I ain't got nothing to give. You know why? We can't put anything in the bucket and the kids can't put anything in the bucket. And we've had this crazy experience at Walmart. And now we're trying to finish it off with even a crazier experience because you cannot give what you don't have. And so God is going, hey, if you'll ask in my name, I'm going to give it to you. Not so you can just frolic around with it, but I'm going to give it to you because I have a mission for you. And that mission is because I trust you so much with it to give it away. What are you asking for? In that moment, I was asking for a quarter or a dime or something, and I didn't have it. You cannot give what you don't have. Verse 32 through 37, we see people who just witnessed the real power of God. We see people who just saw the ground shake. We saw people who were um, endued with the Holy Spirit that just overcame with this amazing uh, ability to have courage in the moment when they were asking for it. And so we see this. We see people excited. So you know what they do is they look around at all these believers, these thousands of believers that are coming into the, to the gospel, to the kingdom every day, and they're looking around, they're overwhelmed by it, and they're saying, you know what, if I sell off some stuff that I have, then I can kind of take care of my brother and sister, and we can grow our, our new gospel. We can, we can grow this, this new kingdom or whatever that we're involved in. And so people are going out, they're, they're grabbing some of their stuff off the shelves, they're, they're, they're selling some extra stuff, they're selling some land, they're selling whatever they got, and they're selling it off for the kingdom of God. And this is amazing. But then we come to the very next verse, the very next set of scripture right there, and we see a, a, a couple, but I, I want to read it real fast. Uh, verse 5, verse 1 to 11. It's Ananias and Sapphira. You probably know the story. It says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. They get caught up in the hype. They sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. And his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know this story. It says, but Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to me. You have not lied to us, but you have lied to God. And then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, breathed his last. And so great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. And now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. And then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in, found her dead, carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Here's what I suppose, and maybe I'm wrong, but here's what I get when I read this is, All the believers who got so excited about what God was doing, went out, found something, and sold their land, they were the ones that God told them, go out, sell your land, sell your possessions, and give it to the church so the church can grow. And then you have Ananias and Sapphira who get caught up in the hype of what's going on, see what someone else is doing, and go, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I think I'll do that too. And they go out and sell something that they're not supposed to sell, that God never told them to sell, that God never made a request of them. And then they're selling out of lack what they have. They give to the church, and then they hold back what they were giving. In other words, Ananias and Sapphira, they go, hey, if they're doing it, we're going to do it too. We're going to look good when we go to the offering and when we put the offering down. We're we're going to look so good. We're going to look so holy. We're going to look like everyone else. We want to be a part of what's going on. This is going to be good. And they walk in and they go, but let's not give like all that we can tell them we're going to give all of it, but let's not give all of it. I know we sold it for 10,000, but 
That was amazing. I, I know we sold it for 10000 This is a Fox News alert. I know we sold it for 10, but let's just tell them we sold it for eight, and we'll put eight at their feet. Everyone will look at us. They'll accept us as their own. They'll congratulate us, tell us how amazing we are for selling our possessions, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be part of them. You know, that would be such an amazing moment. And they bring in, they, they lay down eight. They keep the two because they're probably worried that they don't have anything else because they've sold all they've had and And now what are we going to do? And there's the issue. It's not that they held back part of the money. We know that's what the disciples say. It's not that you held back money. You could have. You should have just came in and said, God, when I sell this property, I'm going to give you eight. But what happened is you said you sold it for eight. I ran into my friend down the street and said he bought your property for 10. And now you're lying. What is your deal? And he says, you're not lying to us. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. At the very end of this, at the very end of the scripture, it says great fear came upon the church when they saw what happened. Great fear came upon the church when they saw what happened. In other words, the church was just overwhelmed with God. Wow. See, God is real. See what we just believed in. God is moving or whatever. Here's what Ananias and Sapphira did. They say, they said, God, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to give you, but I'm not going to give you that. And then God goes, can I ask you a question? Why are you discounting me? In other words, why are you telling me that I'm not worthy of the full amount? Why are you lying to me and saying that I'm not good enough? And and see, what happens is when people start finding out that someone else has just discounted God, there's no fear that comes out of that. In fact, people start to devalue God. And people start to not respect God because they have decided to not respect God. And then instead of fear and worship and all this, instead of lifting God up, now people are starting to tear God down by lying and deceiving and saying he's not worthy and he's not good enough. And the disciples go, this is not going to happen in the church. God is worthy of everything. I know that tithes and offerings kind of a sensitive subject in the church. We don't like pastors to talk about money, but here we are, we're talking about money. And, and I think sometimes we get to that place where at the end of the month, uh, we're, we're struggling a little bit, and, and now we're supposed to write this check out that we don't have, or God has asked us to give something, and we don't have it according to what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't have enough money for tomorrow, so we can't give God everything today. And there's this push and pull. And look, this is what happened with the Ananias and Sapphira. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? And that's what was going on. They were going, we're going to give almost everything, but we don't trust God to come through on the end of his promise And so we're not going to give them everything because we don't fully trust God right now. That's what's happening. And the disciples say, you lied to God. You don't trust God. And therefore you're spreading, you're spreading something within the gospel. You're spreading something within this new kingdom of God that cannot be spread. In fact, when, when they fell to the ground, it says they were filled with fear and awe for God. God says, I will show you how real I am. Isn't that amazing? Now, let me say this again. You can't give what you don't have. Ananias, Saphir, trying to give what they really didn't have. A lot of people selling all kind of stuff, maybe out of abundance, maybe because, uh, you know, just God told them, hey, sell it all, you won't need it, whatever. But they were all trusting God in it, and they were going, ah, I don't know. Do you trust God? Because here's the deal. If you're a multimillionaire and maybe you have $10, $20 million and God told you to give a dollar today in the offering, would you give a dollar? Can I ask you on the flip side of that, if, if you're broke and you saw a millionaire giving a dollar in the offering plate, you just happen to glance, not that you're watching, you just happen to glance, you saw that millionaire, you know, oh my gosh, they rolling. And they gave a dollar? And I, God told me to give $100 
I, I ain't got $100. They got millions. Let that. Who is giving the most? You see, because I don't think it's what you're giving that matters. I think it's what God told you to give that matters. And God says, if I told you to give it, that means I gave it to you in the first place. And so I'm asking you to pass it along because once you pass it along, now I can give you the next thing I told you to give. I want you to look at chapter 5, verse 13. It says, this is amazing, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both Men and women. Women. Um, God is amazing. Can I tell you this? The foundation of your faith, the foundation of what you believe in, the foundation of your walk comes down to what you request from God. Can you just think about that for a moment? The foundation of who you are and what you believe and who you believe God to be is what you make request from God. Which request you make from God. Because if you believe he is who he says he is, then you will make crazy, amazing, awesome requests from God. Won't you? But if you don't believe God is good enough, if you don't believe he's big, then... Maybe your requests won't be so big. Maybe they'll be tempered. Maybe they'll be meek. Maybe they'll be whatever. But God is going, you don't get it. Make your request known. Make your request known. What is it? What is it you're asking? Um, this week, you might, have, you might have seen this. This is actually amazing. There was a young girl in, in California, nine years old. Uh, she loves playing basketball. Maybe you saw the story on, on, on the news, maybe on Fox. And uh, it, 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 was, it was amazing. A young girl, nine years old, loves playing basketball. Is on the basketball team at school. Uh, she goes online to order her favorite basketball shoes, goes to underarmor.com. She's looking for the, the Steph Curry fives, and she's going to order her new shoes. And she goes to click on it, and they don't even sell shoes for girls for that shoe. And she's like, they don't, they don't sell the shoe for girls. What, what's the deal? I mean, Steph Curry, he's like one of the most famous basketball players in the league right now, and he has an all-girls camp that he sponsors, and his girls play basketball. How can, can he not sell shoes to girls? And so she writes a handwritten note on a sheet of paper, and her dad or somebody posts it to social media and tags him. Well, he's a superstar. Who's, no, you know, nobody has time to read all this stuff coming in when you're a superstar or whatever. He reads it. And for the next two days, he doesn't respond because he's talking to his company Under Armour and, he going, and, he's, and he's telling them, you've got to get a shoe out ASAP in girl sizes. And so that was like four days ago. And if you go to their website today, you go to underarmor.com, you, you go to his shoes and right there it says, men, women, boys, girls. You know what's amazing is a nine-year-old girl not only made a request to a superstar and got it, but she made a request to this massive company who sells shoes all over. A nine-year-old girl who just likes basketball wrote a handwritten note and sent it to Steph Curry and changed the world. And if she can make a request that is so bold that it had never been done for years and years and years, they're about to come out with the Steph Curry sixes. That's like 10 years of shoes. For 10 years, no one caught it. No one thought about it. No, no one had a desire for it until one nine-year-old girl goes, no, I think I should have my shoe. She said, I want to rock your shoe too. And Steph Curry, Steph Curry goes, yeah, you're right. You should rock my shoe too. It's 100 bucks. If a nine-year-old girl can make this crazy, awesome request and say, hey, I'm going to be bold, it either gets answered or it doesn't. How much more bold can we be with our request to our God? Because he's not a genie in a bottle. He's, he's not Steph Curry. He's not Under Armour. He is God. 
the creator of the universe, who, if you ask and you request, will rock your world, showing you that he can fulfill what you need. He's big. He's worthy. That is our God. Amen. The foundation of your faith is in your request. You know, I I think if you look around um, in your prayer life, you can get overwhelmed with the need. Like you pray for one thing and, and maybe God answers it and then you just realize how much more need there is. You know, Micah and Heather, they adopted a child and then, you know, a lot of times I, that's amazing. Like that, that to, to put your family out there and, and to, you know, just say, God, I'm open. I'm willing to take on another life that we don't know into our household and that's incredible. Um, but how easy is it to overlook the good being done and say, yeah, but God, if I adopt one, there's a hundred more staring at me with, with eyes open going, why didn't you adopt me? And we get overwhelmed with the need instead of being okay with what we're able to do. And God's going, well, why don't you make your requests no? And what happens is we kind of get locked up in prayer that the need is bigger than we think that we're able to fulfill. And so we don't even ask. I mean, God, even if you did answer my question, even if you did uh, answer my request, you know, even if you did give it to me, best case scenario is I change 1% of, of what really needs to be changed. And God goes, well, you're asking the wrong thing. The nine-year-old girl didn't go, it would be cool if Steph Curry would send me a pair of shoes in girl sizes. She said, hey, why don't your whole company sell every shoe in girl sizes? God, I'm going to adopt one, and it's going to be life-changing. It's going to be precious. It's going to be amazing. God, can you fix our system? Can you fix our families? Can you fix our our, our structure here? Can you give homes to these people? God, will you be their father even in the desperate times and the orphanages and the children's homes? God, will you be their father through it all? Your prayers, they got to be bold and crazy and bigger than they've ever been before because I guarantee you to God it shows that your faith is right there. God, I'm asking because you're worthy. I'm asking for a bigger house because I'm asking for a bigger family because I want to change the world. I saw, um, I saw uh, Michael Jr., the comedian. If you don't know who Michael Jr. is, you need to go look him up. He's hilarious. He's amazing. But um, there was a family that uh, they decided they're going to adopt everybody. <laughs> and uh, I think they had like 15 or something kids, like something, something crazy. Uh, foster home, stuff like that. So, um, and it kept growing and growing, and they didn't have, they didn't have room enough in their car, and so uh, Michael Jr. heard about it, and Michael Jr. tours all over America. He, you know, sold out venues everywhere he goes, big big churches, and uh, he's written stuff for like Jay Leno and stuff like that. He, he's amazing. So, um, anyhow, Michael Jr. hears about this story, and he decides that. Uh, instead of giving them money or buying them a car himself, he goes, you know, God didn't tell me to buy them a car. I, you know, I could have just, okay, buy you a car, you're on your way. He says, but God didn't tell me to do that. God told me to sell tickets to a show that was never going to happen. And I'm going to go to every show that I do for a certain amount of time, and I'm going to tell them, hey, here's this family, here's what we're doing. Uh, we're going to sell tickets to a show that's never going to happen, but I want you to buy tickets to this show so this family can have what they need. And thousands and thousands of people all across America gave and bought tickets to a show that's never going to happen so this family could have what they need. Now, they show up with this Nissan NV, this, this van, like this van van, like this cargo passenger van, this really cool thing. And uh, they present it. Now, on the day that they're going to do the, the whole shoot and present it to this family and everything, they have this elaborate setup. They're, they're in their living room. Michael Jr. walks around, and he, he's going to go, like, through their kitchen and into the other room so they can do this thing. And as he's walking around, he looks on their fridge, and there's a picture of their family, and then there's a picture, uh, another picture, and it says, 
here's our dream. God is good and God is big or something like that. And it's a picture of a Nissan Envy. It was their dream vehicle. And Michael Jr. said, if I would have gave them money, or if I would have gave them a car, I never would have picked that. I would have just never went and did that. Because, but because of the way God unfolded all the events and the way things happened and the way the dealership jumped on board and, and stuff like that, it just so happened that we gave them a Nissan Envy, their dream vehicle that they had been praying for, specifically praying for a Nissan Envy, put it on their refrigerator for their family. God hears your request. God is big enough to hear your request. What is it? What is it that you're praying for? What is your request? I'll tell you this. If your request is to give stuff away, you cannot give away what you do not have. You pray big prayers for yourself, for your family, but for others. Can you pray big prayers for your faith so you'll be bold, so, you, so you'll be excited, so, so you'll be out there jumping around giving all you have? Because you know, if I give everything that God told me to give today, I'll have open arms to receive whatever God's going to give me tomorrow. That's how big God is. Your requests come when you realize God wants to do more through you. I love this. Jesus was asked, Jesus, do we pay taxes? Do we pay Caesar? You know, what, like, do we, do we give money to Caesar or to God? And remember what Jesus' answer was? He says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and render unto God what is God. I hear people say all the time, I don't tip more than I tip God. Like, I don't tip more than 10% because, I, you know, I don't want to give the waitress more then I, then I give God. First off, you're not tipping the waitress your paycheck. Come on, people. And second off, you're not tipping God. And third, the reason why I tip good and I tip good 20, 30%, sometimes more, just depending on whatever I want to do. The reason I tip more is not so that person will think highly of me. The reason I tip more is because I don't want that person to think less of my God. I don't want to walk into a restaurant, and the other day I had a former student. Hey, Pastor Stephen, I haven't seen you in 15 years. I'm like, oh, no, what have you been doing? Can you imagine if I would have left like a dollar, like on a $40, $50 bill, whatever, and I left like a dollar, two dollars. I want to tip more than God. And then that person comes around that doesn't really believe in God. They see what I left, and they go, wow. I guess it's, that's, I guess it's who his God is to him. Jesus said, render under Caesar what is his. In other words, give Caesar his due. Give Caesar like his little bit. Give Caesar his taxes. Give Caesar his portion. But you need to render unto God what is his, and that is everything else. God is worthy, amen. What is your request? What is your request? It says, make your request known. Make your request known. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. Lord, we believe you this morning. Lord, we're in love with you this morning. Lord, we know that you will take care of us. You will give us more and more and more. Jesus, we know your plan for our lives, Lord, is bigger than the plans we have for our life. God, I pray that we don't look around and try to give out of lack, but God, I pray that we give out of abundance, Lord, we give out of what you've told us to give, Lord. We, we give out of, out of things, Lord, we didn't even know existed. Lord, when you say sell and give, Lord, I pray that we follow. I pray we sell and give, Lord. I pray we get excited about it. Lord, I pray you rock our world, Lord. You shake us to the core. Lord, you show us what you're going to do. God, I pray that we make big requests to our God. Lord, what is it? What is it that we've been so scared, so intimidated to ask? What fears do we have about people coming against us that we, don't have, we haven't even thought about how to pray for those things or against those things? God, I pray that you put things in our heart, Lord, that are bigger than ourselves. Lord, I pray for things 
so we can give things. Just right where you are in your heart. I'm going to ask Patrick, can you just play some music for me? And what is your request? Can you pray that thing this morning that you've been intimidated to pray? You have a vision in your heart. You have a ministry in your heart. You have big needs in your heart. You have big vision in your heart, but your prayers have been so small. God is saying, you don't understand how big I am. I'm bigger. I'm bigger. Yeah, but God, just be 1%. I'm bigger. I'm bigger. I can do it. Trust me. I'm bigger. But God, I can't do it. Oh yeah, I'm bigger. I'll put the words. I'll hide the words. I'll give you the words. But God, there's people more worthy than I am to receive the things that are hidden in my heart. I just tell you this, God is going to know I'm more worthy for you to ask. Big things, crazy things, daring things, unbelievable things, impossible. Come on. Will you pray the impossible this morning? If he can't do the impossible, then he's not God. Come on. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at life-church.org. 